of college football week six of the nfl on the rookie big board i am your host matt hicks the ff educator excited for another jam-packed episode we are in the midst of the season college football feels like it's halfway over for the nfl it feels like we're really starting to get a grip on where our fantasy football rosters are at. And this episode is going to help you with all of that. We're going to start off with a big week five for the rookie running backs and talk about what that means for their value moving forward. We're going to have an introduction to the class of 2026. Yes, the Devi rankings have been updated to include next year's incoming freshman and we're going to finish this thing off as always with the week seven Devi watch preview let's get into it the 2022 running back class has been overall categorized as average but in week five they came out strong now these numbers are pending Monday Night Football, but in PPR formats, Brees Hall finished as the running back three this week. On 18 attempts, he rushed for 97 yards, he found the end zone, and he caught all two of his targets for 100 yards. So certainly big plays involved in that performance, but what's encouraging for Brees Hall moving forward is that this was done with Zach Wilson at the helm, and I've kind of held off on looking at Brees Hall's usage early season as the rule of what it's going to look like moving forward simply because Zach Wilson coming back was going to change the way we interpreted this offense. And although his targets are down, it's clear that Brees Hall is still going to be used heavily. Michael Carter also, I don't want to say vultured a touchdown, but he got a touchdown carry on the one-yard line after Brees Hall got him down there. So Hall easily could have had two touchdowns and could have performed at an even higher level this week. And the most recent Dynasty rankings update, I bumped up Brees Hall to running back eight. So he, for me, moving forward is a solidified running back one. I think this week's performance just locks that in for folks. This is somebody whose value we're going to see going up and up through this season and into the next offseason. I think Brees Hall is going to live in that second, third round turn for value in startup drafts moving forward, right? a la DeAndre Swift, right? I think that's going to kind of be where, you know, you could still get DeAndre Swift this past year in that 2-3 turn, and I expect that that's where Brees Hall is going to be moving forward. So if you're thinking about his value in terms of trade opportunities, knowing the 2023 class is stronger, you're still going to have to get a 1-plus for Brees Hall, and that plus is probably going to have to be in the running back two territory. So I don't think now is the time that you pivot off of Brees Hall. If you drafted him, I think you get to reap the production at this point. Damian Pierce finished as running back 10 on the week, 99 yards and a touchdown. He did have five targets. He caught three of those for 14 yards. So 
In total, he goes for 113 yards, one touchdown. He did end up having 29 touches, 26 on the ground, another three receptions. For me, this is a really good opportunity to look around and see if you can get somebody to bite on the Damian Pierce bait. Now, I've talked about this consistently. I've been lower than consensus on Damian Pierce. And part of the reason is not just because I had a lower film evaluation of him going in than consensus, but I'm looking at this Houston team moving forward. I wouldn't be shocked if they draft another running back, potentially with even higher draft capital, this upcoming draft class, right? So if they do that, Damian Pierce's value is going to be significantly lower a year from now than it is today. And if you could get even close to a 2023 first for Damian Pierce, it's an auto smash on that trade for me, especially if you're not a contender. I understand holding on to him a little bit longer if you are a contender, but for me, this feels like a really high flip opportunity. He averaged 2.8 yards per carry. So that 99 yards is really on the back of 26 rushing attempts. I don't think we want to bank on our running backs getting 26 rushing attempts every single week in order to produce. And how about Kenneth Walker? Now, I know Kenneth Walker only ended up getting into the game because of an unfortunate injury to Rashad Penny, but that injury is now reported as being season-ending. Walker, when he got in at the end of the game, had eight rushing attempts for 88 yards in that big touchdown run. He finished as the running back 18 on the week, despite only touching the ball eight times. That shows serious upside for Kenneth Walker. Now, I did expect at some point Kenneth Walker would take over the volume in this backfield, and I'll be honest, I thought it was going to happen quicker. I didn't think it was going to have to take an injury to the running back ahead of him on the depth chart going into the season for him to end up the top running back on said depth chart. Nonetheless, Walker now has an opportunity here to finish the rest of the season as a weekly running back to or higher. And the efficiency this past week certainly showed he has the ability to do so. So Walker for me is somebody who I had rated above Brees Hall going into this draft class. It's very well documented. Just being realistic here, he ended up being a running back two in the most recent Dynasty Rankings update. And I'm not saying he's going to finish this season above Brees Hall, but I think he's going to close the current nine ranking gap that I have between the two so that as we head into next year, they're both going to be considered back-end running back ones. Now introducing the class of 2026 to the Devi Big Board. I mentioned two episodes ago that I had moved the Devi Big Board rankings to just be the class of 24 and 25, which are our current sophomores and freshmen in college, in anticipation of getting this class of 2026 slid in there. And the class of 2026 are current high schoolers who will be enrolling either in the winter, oftentimes the top prospects enroll for the spring semester so that they could start practicing, or over the summer so that they'll be joining their collegiate program heading into next season. In total, I added 28 guys to the board. Now, I'm not going to go through all 28 guys. I've identified five players who I think will help give us an overall idea of one what it means to be an incoming freshman, what that value is placed at, 
to who the top guys in the class are and if you're not hardcore into Devi, how you kind of start to pick up on some of these storylines with this incoming class without needing to know every single thing because I'll be completely honest you all know I go super deep in the tape process when they're going into the NFL draft I do the Devi big board I watch for everything on Saturdays there's a cutoff point for me and the cutoff point is I'm not watching high school huddle film I'm not putting evaluation on these players before they get to college so really what I'm doing at this point is I'm interpreting 247 sports composite rankings which is their recruiting profile I'm interpreting that putting it in the context of the team that they've signed with in terms of how I expect them to get developed in the context of the depth chart how quickly they'll get on the field which will increase their Devi value we know that that's how it works right so I'm putting all of that context into the place where you can now compare that to the class of 2024 and 2025. So I'm not putting deep, in-depth tape evaluations out for this class. So you shouldn't feel like you need to know every single thing about these players to start to get an idea of where their Devi value is. And we need to start with Arch Manning. Arch Manning is the highlight of this class. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means and if that's justified or not when we start to get into a couple of these other quarterback names to watch. But Arch is going to debut at 13th overall on the Devi Big Board, which now, again, includes 2024 through 2026. Three classes, the oldest being the current sophomore. So nobody is NFL draft eligible at this point in time. Arch's rookie Big Board rating is a 7.6. If, you if you're not a patron, if you're not subscribed, you don't need to know what that means. You can head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board to see the Devi big board, see the rankings along with the rookie big board, get in the discord. But if you don't, it's not a big deal because I'm going to put it into context for you. That currently puts him as quarterback three overall on the Devi big board, which is pretty aggressive. I have to tell you, and I'm going to explain myself. All right. That puts him behind Caleb Williams, who's a class of 2024 quarterback for USC. And it puts him ahead of Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers is an 807. He's the closest quarterback to Arch without being below him. It's an 807. It's a pretty significant gap. That's what I wanted to point out here. It's Caleb Williams, it's Quinn Ewers, and then there's going to be a big gap. Where there's not a big gap is from Arch Manning to Drake May and Drew Alar, who are the next closest to him on the rookie on the Devi big board. I apologize. At 762. So essentially he's falling into the same place right now that I'm projecting Drake May who is a really strongly performing member of the class of 2024, and Drew Alar, who is a highly hyped member of the class of 2025, who we've seen very brief glimpses of so far this season. All right, if you're going to compare that across to Dynasty Value, which you have the ability to do because that's the way that the rookie big board rating is set up, you can compare Arch's value to the current value of Aaron Rodgers and Mac Jones. So Aaron Rodgers would be just a spot higher than him if we were to take Arch and compare him to the NFL side. He finds himself in the dynasty rankings at the point of quarterback 20. That is one spot behind Aaron Rodgers and one spot above Mac Jones. So now when I'm saying this, what I'm suggesting is that the value of Arch Manning is just about equal to Mac Jones. Now, I'm not saying that Arch Manning will be the same prospect as Mac Jones. I'm actually projecting him to be a higher prospect, a better NFL quarterback than Mac Jones, but you have to bake into value the fact that you have to now wait at least three years for Arch to hit the NFL. So you have to wait a long time for production, and that's how you have to bake in the value of, of Devi, right? 
So if you were to look to trade for Arch Manning in a Devi league, you'd have to trade Aaron Rodgers or Mac Jones. Around that quarterback value is what I'm suggesting. Now, there's a little bit of controversy here. So let's slide down the board a little bit. Nick, uh, Nicholas Iamaliava, all right, the quarterback heading to the University of Tennessee. By the way, Arch Manning, I forgot to mention, he's committed to the University of Texas. We expect him to be at the University of Texas, sit one year, likely red shirt, behind Quinn Ewers, who will play one more collegiate season after this year, and then is on his way to be top five NFL draft selection. All right, now back to Nico. Nico is joining a Tennessee quarterback room that will likely either be led by Joe Milton next year or more likely have a grad transfer come in and compete with Joe Milton. I think Iamaliava will actually be part of that quarterback competition for Tennessee next year, but I don't expect him to start as a true freshman. I don't think that's what anybody wants. But he's coming from the West Coast. He's 6'5", 195. He's a dual-sport athlete. He's a really highly rated volleyball prospect as well. That should give you a little bit of an idea of his skill set. He has some mobility and he has a huge arm behind him. He's 21st overall on the Devi rankings right now, so you can see he's a bit behind Arch. If you're going to compare him to the value of NFL quarterbacks right now, he's his 7.3 is going to be higher than Marcus Mariota and Malik Willis, who are coming in the closest uh, quarterbacks to him in dynasty value, but below him, right? So, in the quarterback class, it's Arch, it's Nico, and then it's Malachi Nelson is the other guy. Uh, he is committed to USC. He's the other guy that you'll hear in this top three conversation. But on the Debbie big board, you'll see I go 11. I added 11 quarterbacks from this class because after the top three, it starts to really get condensed and you can get a lot of different opinions as to who's the best guy or not. But that should give you a little bit of an idea overall on how Arch, Nico, and the quarterbacks fit into the class. Now, the wide receiver who's highlighting it is Zachariah Branch. He's committed to USC. He's 5'10". He's 172. He's a five-star prospect. He's the number one overall rated wide receiver in the class. And he's coming in 20th. So he's coming in just ahead, one spot ahead of, of Nicholas Iamaliava. All right. His 7'3 rating is just below Luther Burden and Evan Stewart. So if you take Zachariah Branch a year from now, that rating will be just about the same. So Luther Burden, Evan Stewart are premier young wide receivers. Guys that I expect over the next couple of years will continue to rise to the point where they are first round consideration. I expect Zachariah Branch to be moving forward in that same way. If you were to trade Zachariah Branch right now for an NFL prospect, his value is currently lining up at Juju Smith-Schuster or Kadarius Toney. Okay, so that's a good way to help compare it. I'm talking about somebody who in three years could be a top 10 NFL selection, but because you have to wait three years, the type of production you could trade is probably around the range of Juju Smith-Schuster or Kadarius Toney. The running back room is led by Ruben Owens, who is currently committed to Louisville. I say currently committed to Louisville because it was a shock to many that Ruben Owens, the top running back in the class, a five-star, chose Louisville. I'm not saying he's going to decommit. He's coming in at 5'8", 185. He's 24th overall. It's a 7'2'7 rating for him, which is just below Clyde Edwards Elair. So that's what you're looking at here with Ruben Owens coming in 24th on the Debbie rankings. A similar story there with Zachariah Branch. And then I thought I'd mention the top tight end in the class. It's Deuce Robinson. Listen, we always proceed with caution when it comes to tight ends in Devi fantasy football. He is a five-star. He's committed to USC, 6'6", 225. 
he's coming in at the same value as Hayden Hurst, which I know doesn't sound super exciting, but that's being realistic about the chances of a tight end developing over the course of three years, and then he gets to the NFL landscape, and what does he have to develop? Another three years, it seems, before he's really going to hit. So there you have it, an introduction to the class of 2026. Like I said, you can head on over to patreon.com slash rookiebigboard if you want to go in and see how all of these guys fall in the context of the class of 2024 through the class of 2026. I'm pretty sure I say this every week, but this week especially, what a freaking good lineup of games that we have in front of us. So I'm going to go through the Week 7 Devi Watch Preview. If you're new to this, welcome in. Thanks for checking it out. I go through two different versions of each slate. So I call it a TV game, an iPad game. I do the noon slate, 3.30 slate, 7 o'clock slate. I give you the Devi-specific things to watch in the matchup. So let's start here with the TV game, the main one, the one I'm putting on the big screen here for the noon slate. I'm going to go Auburn at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, a pair of very exciting running backs. By the way, the noon slate, it's called the running back slate this week. That's what I'm naming it because that's what I'm going to focus in on here. Starting with Mississippi, Quinton Judkins and Zach Evans are probably the best one-two running back combo in the country. And yes, I understand the Georgia and Alabama running back rooms exist. So I'm watching them closely. Of course, you're always watching Jackson Dart. He's didn't look too great the last time I told folks to watch him. So let's see if he can get a little bit of bounce back. And for Auburn, it's Tank Bigsby. I think Tank has the chance to really be featured in this game for the Auburn offense as Brian Harson is desperately fighting for his job and a win against an undefeated Old Miss team could really help boost the morale of that otherwise beaten down Tigers team. On the iPad, I'm watching Minnesota at Illinois. It's on the Big Ten Network. By the way, Auburn Old Miss is ESPN. This is all Noonsley. Minnesota, I'm watching Mo Ibrahim. He's been super productive. He's looked really fantastic coming off of a horrid ACL injury suffered in week one of the 2021 season. It'll be really interesting to see if Mo can run his way into being drafted. NFL teams get very scared of recent ACL injuries for the running back position. So we're watching to see every bit of positive production that we can see from Mo. And on the Illinois side, Chase Brown, their power back, has been coming on the NFL draft scene as somebody who's rising up to the level of potentially being a late day two selection. So a lot of momentum behind him. This is going to be an opportunity to see a power back on the Minnesota side against a power back on the Illinois side. And also keep an eye on Isaiah Williams. He's an wide receiver for Illinois. He's an athletic wideout. He really does it all. They're going to manufacture targets for him. He's fun to watch. I'm just going to add a bonus game here called the cell phone game, whatever you want to watch or call it here. Penn State at Michigan. It's on Fox. I'm only putting this on the side because I feel like I talk about both of these teams a lot, but I couldn't call this the running back slate and not point out that Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards are a really, really strong running back combo as well. Blake Corum is 2023 eligible. Donovan Edwards is 2024 eligible. And then Penn State has a combination of 2025 eligible running backs. Nicholas Singleton, who I've talked about a lot, but add in Katron Allen, who I haven't talked about enough because he has 303 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Looked really impressive as a true freshman as well. 
3.30 slate TV game is Alabama at Tennessee, 3.30 on CBS. I'm sorry if this is my Tennessee bias coming through, but this is a top six matchup. It is game day. It's a 3.30 CBS game. Alabama's featuring a running back room of Jace McClellan and Jameer Gibbs, both guys to keep an eye on that are 2023 eligible. And then they have a depth of wide receivers. I feel like the, the, the whole narrative this year has been that Alabama – you know, they don't have that that premier wide receiver, and that's true, but they have a lot of guys performing. So you can look at Treshawn Holding, you can look at Ja'Cory Brooks, you can look at Kobe Prentice, who's 2025 eligible, and let's see if we can get a game out of Jermaine Burton this week, who's 2023 eligible. As of right now, it does look like Jalen Milrow, who is 2024 eligible, is going to be the quarterback again for an injured Bryce Young against Tennessee in Neyland Stadium. If he was to put up a big performance, it would be a huge bump in his Devi stock. I would say from the time that he's filled in for Bryce Young, it's been okay, but certainly nothing that's gotten Devi fans overly excited for him moving forward. Tennessee has Hendon Hooker, who is quickly rising to be what looks like a locked-in top 50 NFL draft selection despite his age, and Cedric Tillman may be back. Cedric Tillman has been hyped up as a potential first-round wide receiver now. He's missed the last couple weeks with injury, but you have to imagine, if at all possible, Cedric Tillman will be a go against Alabama. Brew McCoy is rising as somebody who could push into late day two territory. Brew McCoy, the USC transfer, big-bodied guy, has been productive stretching the field in the Josh Heupel offense. And Jabari Small, the running back, is now starting to get some chatter as potentially being interested as a member of the 2023 class. I think more likely Small gives it another year and tries to be a more featured part of the 2024 class. Now on the iPad here for the 330 slate, it's Oklahoma State at TCU. It's 3.30 on ABC. Oklahoma State, there's a little bit to see here. Spencer Sanders, an outside chance of being drafted in the 2023 class. And Brennan Presley is an underclassman, a junior here, who probably declare in 2024, but has been productive here in the absence of other wide receivers early on in the season. TCU has Kendra Miller, who is a power back, successful running in between the tackles, showing good burst and long field speed who is rising up as a relevant running back in this class, could push into day two territory here. And Quinton Johnston, who has been absolutely absent from the TCU offense minus last week, is all of a sudden now back in first-round mock drafts. Folks, I don't understand what's going on here with Quinton Johnston. We knew he was going to nail the athletic testing. He's been absolutely non-existent for the beginning of the season. He comes in last week, has a big game. He's going to have to continue to produce at a high level here for me to trust him moving forward. 7 o'clock slate. We're looking at Clemson at Florida State on the TV, 7.30 ABC. We've talked about Clemson plenty. I pulled this game because I wanted to highlight Treshawn Ward, the running back from Florida State, day three type guy, but should get drafted in 2023. And Johnny Wilson, big bodied guy, 6'7". I want to say he's coming in around 210 wide receiver for Florida State. I expected him to get drafted based on his size combination with athleticism. For Clemson, we have to mention DJU. We have to mention Will Shipley. We've talked about Antonio Williams, the true freshman, in previous weeks. But hey, maybe we get to see some Adam Randall too. If Clemson gets up early, they've been sneaking in a little bit Adam Randall, the wide receiver 2025 class. It's rare that 
Wide receivers get significant playing time early on in the Clemson offense, which is why what Antonio Williams is doing is so exciting. But we're also excited to see more from Adam Randall here. So we'll see if we get maybe some glimpses of him this week as well. And then let's finish it off here on the iPad game. Nebraska at Purdue, 730 Big Ten Network. Purdue is Aiden O'Connell who I do think NFL teams are going to like. Now, whether he's a guy who's holding a clipboard most of his NFL career or not, he will be draft relevant. He will get drafted day three of the 2023 NFL draft. And Charlie Jones is the guy. Charlie Jones is the riser. He has more receptions in the first six weeks of this season than I believe he ever has in the first four years of his NFL, or I'm sorry, his collegiate career, which did include stops at both Buffalo and Iowa. He's been hyper-targeted. He's been hyper-productive. And... What we're hearing is that he could potentially run a sub uh, 4 4 40 yard dash, which would just skyrocket him into second round consideration here. And Nebraska has Trey Palmer, who's probably more of a day three guy, if anything, more likely a member of next year's draft class. But I wanted to mostly highlight Purdue with this matchup. So there you have it. What to watch here with week seven for Debbie Fantasy Football, along with an introduction to the 2026 Debbie class and a recap of the value for a surprisingly strong 2022 running back class. Make sure to head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board to get access to the discord dynasty ranking support what we're doing here. And as always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of the rookie big board. <laughs>